the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rescuers Radio Show. And the show is heard every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360 and faithtalk1360.com. And I encourage you to go to the rescuersradioshow.org website. Uh, that's where you can hear all of the past shows in podcast form after it airs on Faith Talk 1360, becomes a podcast. And uh, you can also uh, donate if you wish. This was a this is a listener's uh, supported ministry, so you, you'll find out how to, out, how to do that on the website as well. My guest I'm really excited about uh, is Lee Mitchell. Lee Mitchell is owner of Ironwood Financial Wellness, helping people dream again. And I, um, I'm really intrigued be, about this interview because not often with the word financial or finances do you hear the word wellness. So we're going to dive into that and talk about that. But first, uh, Lee, hello, Lee uh, Mitchell. Hi, How thank are you? you for having me. I'm doing very well. Move up just a little bit there. Uh, before we dig into your great work, and uh, so that our worldwide audience gets to know uh, gets to know you, uh, please share your life story with us. Like taking plenty of time. Don't worry about time's not an issue. Take plenty of time in telling us how you uh, got to this point in your life. Oh, all right. Let's well, go. Uh, thanks. So I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's actually where I, you know began. Uh, and I got to say, I miss the food. You know, Phoenix is home now. We've I've lived here since junior high, but I, I definitely still miss that New Mexican food. And anyone out there who's from Albuquerque, you know what I'm talking about. How's the about. food different? You know, it's New Mexican food is a blend of native foods. Um, it has more Indian influence or Native American influence as well as, um, you know, Mexican yeah. Uh, influence. So it's just, it's very different from what you would yeah. find in California or Arizona or Texas. I'm um, a lot more chili. I, yeah. It's a lot spicier. Well, they grow them there. Yeah. The hatch, hatch mm-hmm. chilies, right? Yep. So we have to go back every year for the chili festival and yeah. get the big gunny sacks and roast it. And nice. there's no better smell on the planet. Okay. Well, that. that was a little diversion there, but go ahead with your story. Oh, it's, it's worth <laughs> it. I had to ask. <laughs> uh, so my family moved here to Phoenix, uh, the Valley area in. Um, when I was like right before eighth grade. So this is definitely home. You know, I love the Valley, not really this time of year, but uh, it's great. Um, I have an awesome family, uh, my parents, my brother, 
Um, I was very, very blessed to have a very strong family um, that taught me a lot of Christian values that I know that I wouldn't be in the place that I'm at today if I, if I didn't have yeah. that upbringing. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to go to ASU and study biology, um, then went and got a master's in education and started teaching pretty much right after college and taught biology for 14 years. Now, where in your life did you think you'd be a teacher? Never. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually never wanted to be a teacher, uh, ironically enough. Um, but it kind of happened to where uh, there was a situation at the end of my undergrad where what I thought my life was going to look like, it changed dramatically. And that's not what my life ended up looking like at all. And so I was kind of going, oh, my gosh, what do I do? I don't have any plans after I finish this. <laughs> oh, so. No. I said, you know what, I've always thought about teaching as kind of a backup idea because I could do it anywhere. It's very flexible. Um, you know, maybe I'll just go and get my master's in that so that at least I have that as an option. Um, and, you know, long story short, 14 years later, <laughs> I find myself still teaching. Um, and it's funny because I feel that I've fought being a teacher for a long time. I was very dissatisfied with it at first. I did not think that that was what I was what supposed to be doing. A uh, high school, okay. So um, all levels, uh, all grades, but ninth and tenth mainly. Okay. And for a long time, I, I fought it, and then I really made peace with it and found that I truly loved teaching. Um, and there's just been so many points throughout my life where I, I feel God's prodding, His poking me, like, "No, you're a teacher." Stop fighting it. You're a teacher. And you taught biology or? Gen general science, but sciences? biology primarily. Okay. Mm -hmm. right. So different <laughs> levels from regular to AP. And it's it's been fantastic. But no, I never wanted to be one. And <laughs> God has just consistently poked me and saying, yes, you are. Quit fighting me. Wow. And we pay attention most of the time, right? You know, it's taken me a lot longer than it should have. <laughs> it really has. Uh, but no, I've I've. I've seen his hand at work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially as I look back. Yeah, so, um, and he'll bring us through anything <laughs> and everything. Absolutely. Uh, so, Lee, um, you stated at some point in uh, some of the material I had that you love the desert. I do. And I got to talk to you about that because not everybody loves the desert, especially in the <laughs> summertime. They're questioning, why am I here? <laughs> well, I can't exempt myself from that. I just asked myself probably not half an hour ago, why do I live here, <laughs> at least at this time of year? Um, but no, I'm Southwest girl, obviously, and I have an appreciation for God's creation no matter where I'm at. But I just find, especially the north area of, you know, the valley, just to be particularly beautiful. I mean, sorrows are such an iconic species, and I just find so much peace and appreciation for the place that I live. And I think that's a, a very important thing is that for people to have a love of place. Um, I read a statistic that had said that um, young people, like 18 and under, could identify something. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was more than several hundred corporate logos, but they could identify less than five native plants and animals in their own area. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's very telling. Exactly. And so yeah. that's why I just have a love of place and it's something also that I that I really enjoy learning about and sharing with others. So uh, I have great admiration for saguaros mm -hmm. because 
the fire at Four Peaks a couple yes. of years ago wiped out a quarter of a million acres, right? Mm-hmm. But the saguaros still stand. Many it, of them. Many do. of them did. Mm-hmm. If it didn't go down to the roots, right? They stay there. So it's like a blackened area with with saguaros there. Yes. And they live for what a couple hundred years. They can live to be incredibly old, yes, several hundred years old. And I I know exactly what you're talking about with that fire. And many of them do survive. Um, The very sad thing, though, is that how many of them have not because that fire was so intense. And you'll see them yellowing, and they become very vulnerable to parasites, other pests, things like that. Um, And the first time we drove through that area after the fire, I just cried. (laughs) I did. I just cried. It was so sad. So... um uh, and then the wildfire, uh, wildflowers are always good to travel up either north or northeast, wherever, up Absolutely. on the Mogollon uh, Rim country and up towards Flagstaff. But uh, it was a shortage of that this year. There was. And I don't know why. A lot of it has to do with the rain, rain cycles. Yeah. You need a, a wet winter yeah. typically to, to foster that. Um, when I was teaching in high school, a friend of mine uh, she and I sponsored a hiking club, and that was a fun thing to take students out there and, you know, help them identify the different species and things like that. It, yeah. Because the valley even can have just incredibly, incredibly beautiful wildflower shows. Um, 2020 was actually by far the best year in recent memory. Yeah. My wife is a photographer, so we like to get out uh, when we can, when they're all in bloom, and uh, take all kinds of photos and, and hike around. That's 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 great. Um, you also mentioned that you're a competitive. You were a competitive swimmer, very modestly. <laughs> so, did you win medals? Did you win uh, championships? Or, or no? I wouldn't say that it was that level. I mean, I did club swim. You know, it, okay. it wasn't anything beyond your just, just typical club swim. Mm-hmm, junior high, high school. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, swimming is an incredibly conditioning sport. Mm-hmm. It's yes, tough. it is. I try to get in a pool now, even though I run, yeah. and it's still a totally different ball game. I'm huffing and puffing right yeah. away. <laughs> yep. I had the uh, the coach from uh, Arizona Christian University swim team on mm-hmm. the show a while back, and I said, everybody looks in such great shape. And he says, we've got to be in shape, you know. The the guys all have the V shape yep. <laughs> body and and uh, so what was your what was your discipline? Well, my favorite events were anything involving backstroke because that was my first favorite stroke to swim because you didn't have to breathe funny your face wasn't <laughs> in the water like how does not everybody love that stroke right? right? Uh, but backstroke I really enjoyed that one. It seems to be something that just we do well in my family. It was my dad's best stroke. My daughter's in swim team now and that's hers. Um, but so backstroke and then freestyle. I liked group events too, like the relays. The relays, relays, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Relays were fun, but oh gosh, butterfly, <laughs> bane of my existence in swimming. <laughs> I hated butterfly. I was terrible. <laughs> wow, and you you didn't go past high school, I guess. No, right? nothing like that. No, um, I I got more involved in music and things like that with with high school. <laughs> so. Um, your teaching career uh, was in high school mm-hmm. and biology, mostly, I would, I presume. Yes. And um, that was your favorite class and, and probably grade two. You, you were fortunate to be in high school ages, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, Not that they can't be testy. From my own existence, I know uh-huh. we high school kids can be kind of rowdy. So uh, They're great, though. <laughs> they get such a bad rap. And I will tell you, I, you know, with, with very few exceptions— 
high schoolers are fantastic. I love that age group. Yeah. I really, really do. So I love I love the uh, uh, some of the information that that I have from you. Uh, really sparked your enthusiasm for the outdoors because your husband, children love the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do your you have favorite hikes. I want to hear about some of those runs, kayaking, <laughs> paddleboard. I don't know where you paddleboard in Arizona. Maybe at Lake Bartlett Pleasant? Lake or Lake Pleasant, yeah. Pleasant right? Uh, camping and the like. So uh, break that kind of down. You guys must do that a lot, right? Not as much as we'd like to. We're in, yeah. we're in a pretty busy stage of life right now, I feel like, with you know two <laughs> young ones. But we definitely yeah. get out as much as we can. Uh, we just got back this past weekend from a camping trip, and nice. it was a great time. Um, as much as I love the outdoors, I would say my husband maybe even more so than I am. If, if he's got a spare moment, he's out mountain biking. Ah, <laughs> mountain biking. Yep. So, uh, and that is not for me. Let's <laughs> say that right now. Downhill and going fast and I do not get along. I think those guys are kind of crazy. I, I agree with you. <laughs> the, the jumps over rocks and mm-hmm. uh, boulders and whatever, oh, I think whatever he's else. Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, my wife and I just, uh, we were kayaking just a couple of weeks ago. We went up to Big Bear oh, in yeah. California and, uh, we did, uh, some kayaking there and that was nice. Um, so before we get uh, into the deep, into uh, speaking of <laughs> water, uh, before we get into the deep, too deep into your business, uh, let's talk about the naming of your practice, uh, the naming of Ironwood Financial Wellness. Well, you love those trees, and I want to hear all about it. I know our audience does, too. I do. Um, if if you really want to nerd out and read all the details, it's it's on my website because I just couldn't help myself, even though knowing most people would would not read yeah. that. Um, but for me, it's just fascinating that so many desert plants um, and ironwoods, which I focused on in particular, they are just so highly adapted to these harsh conditions. And you know, I. I think one of the most amazing things about science, at least for me, because so many people think it's it's a dichotomy that you can believe in, you know, your, your religious faith or you re- believe in science and there's just really no gray area. And I couldn't disagree more yeah. because the more I learn about the world around me, the more just odd and amazed I am at God's handiwork because it, it's incredible. <laughs> the deeper you go, the more just blown away that I am. Um, but with ironwood trees in particular, there are so many just different and special things about them that I thought related to finance. I'm not even sure I know what one looks like. Oh, they're, they're a little bit of a grayish green. So the real pale green, almost kind of a gray. The trunks are that color as well. Very small leaves, which is pretty typical of desert plants. Um, but they have, when they do bloom, which is not all the time or not very significantly, um, they have these very usually pale purple flowers. And sometimes they will go through these cycles of super blooms that happens about every seven years, I believe. Mm. And one just happened last year. And oh, wow. the ironwood trees just went crazy. And we have lots of them in my neighborhood, in my area. And Do they grow in groves beautiful. like aspen or? No. Just, no, they're, just anywhere. Yeah, they're kind of like Palo Verdes. They're just kind of scattered okay. about, um, but they're used ornamentally a lot with, you know, landscape design and things they like that. They get tall? They get big? Not wild ones, really. Okay. Uh, you know, most trees in the desert are going to be naturally low-lying, but in neighborhoods and things like that, but of course. But by name, they must be a sturdy... Incredibly. Mm-hmm. Tree, right? 
their their heart heartwood is actually so strong that it's considered to be almost non-biodegradable. It just it does not break down, which is how they got their name. And the ironwood trees for me that just symbolized again that again financial wellness is having so much foundation that you can ride through the tough times that it is enduring that it lasts beyond even your lifetime Mm -hmm. and that was one of the things that spoke to me um financial wellness also for me is coming from a christian perspective we're taught to be good stewards of our resources which ironwood trees are every desert or plant and animal is otherwise they wouldn't be able to survive they have to steward their resources very wisely um it's not so much by choice but by design uh And what really stuck out to me was the fact that as Christians, we're called to steward our finances and remember who they really came from in the first place, where where that bounty came from. And if we do that, it allows our overflow to benefit so many people around us and the community. Because if you haven't taken care of your home and your family, how are you going to have the margin to bless others, mm. to make a difference? Yes. And ironwood trees, they are considered to be nurse plants in that they provide a habitat and a microclimate and a refuge for younger, smaller plants, for animals. And so their existence actually allows for the existence of many other living things in the desert. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's God's artistic work, right? Absolutely. Uh, say, if you're just now uh, coming into the Rescuer Show, you, you came in a little late. You're listening to Lee Mitchell, the owner of Financial Wellness, with the, I, I guess this is your mission statement, helping people dream again. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to hear more about that. So anyway, uh, we mo- move on from uh, the, you know, we're talking about wellness in finances which is not used together a lot. So that's rather unique. It's a unique name for your business. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. I believe in wellness in all areas of your life. I mean, if, if we don't find a level of wellness in relational aspects of our life, career, um, you know, spirituality, physical health, then, then we're, we're going to have some problems. We're going to have some difficulties because of that. And I think financial wellness is something that, isn't really discussed. In fact, money isn't really discussed at all in our culture other than in terms of consumerism. And so for me, my husband and I, we didn't have financial wellness for a long time, not true financial wellness. And I don't want that for other people because I think we do a very poor job in our country of educating young people about finances about personal finance and how to handle money. And then we just throw these 18-year-olds out into the world and say, figure it out. And most of them are not going to figure it out to the level that they need to early enough that they can make some of the, you know, the, the plans and the changes in their habits that would really set them up so well when they get to retirement age, for example. So that's really what it came down to for me is – the, the journey that my husband and I went on in reaching our own financial wellness and just feeling that deep need, that prompting by God that you need to teach this to other people. Mm-hmm. You, you need to help other people learn what you've learned. And that's when I feel like my background in teaching, my love of teaching, really just kind of coalesced with that experience that we went through in order to 
hopefully just be able to bless others. And I really just have that heart for young people, especially high schoolers, college age, um, but young married couples and just, just really anyone who's looking to find wellness in this area. Absolutely. Uh, Please share. So somewhere in there, you had an encounter or a meeting with Dave Ramsey. (laughs) Tell tell us, tell us about that. Okay. So when my, I'll just give a little bit bit of background with my husband and I. Um, so my husband and I met when I was 21 and he was 27. He had just completed his chiropractic degree. And uh, we met and I was just finishing up my bachelor's. And luckily through scholarships, I didn't really have any debt except a, a small car loan. But, you know, we're, we weren't thinking about money at that time. And so we dated for a while and ended up getting married. And all of a sudden I look over and I go, have $140,000 in student loan debt, almost $140,000. Yeah, I'm going, (laughs) oh my gosh. And I'm a, you know, a public school teacher in Arizona. And so that amount to me was just ludicrous. And I would just laugh and go, let's just not think about that because that's never getting paid off. That might as well be just another house, right? And so we just honestly ignored it for a long time because the idea of thinking about that much debt just stressed me out. Mm. And I I couldn't deal with that. So we just went on our merry way, like most young couples, I think, do. And we decided, well, hey, let's buy a house. It's a great time. And you need a new truck. And why don't we throw in a couple kids? And, oh, a few years down the road, let's start a new clinic for your business. And, you know, before I knew it, we just kind of looked up and we felt trapped. We really felt trapped by all of these normal choices. I mean, nothing we did was really that outrageous. It was what I think most people do, but the amount of debt between the home and the student loans and everything else, it it just compiled to the point where if I wanted to change jobs, I I would have to find something at least as equally stable as what I currently had. There was was a need there. I couldn't just quit if I felt like it, not that I really wanted to just quit, but I knew that he and I both had to continue what we were doing because if there was any disruption, things could completely fall apart. And it is truly, truly by the grace of God that he got us through that time period. Mm -hmm. Because if anything had really occurred, a medical event, a major emergency, or, um, you know, anything like that, it it could have tanked us financially. And the fact that we scraped through that was was truly, yes, truly by the grace of God. Um, so the the way that Dave Ramsey actually came into it was my husband would listen to him on the radio every now and then. <laughs> and, you know, I think he thought what he was saying was good. He just also felt a little bit like, I just can't do that. We're, I just I can't do that. I'm trying to build a business here. There's no spare money. And I couldn't even listen to him at all because being the type A person that I was, it just <laughs> sent me into a tailspin of just stress and anxiety going, oh, my gosh, this is what we need to do, but it's never going to happen. And so I couldn't even listen to him for a long time. But there came a point, and Ramsey always calls it the, like, I've had it moment, where my husband looked down and realized we had been paying on our student loans or his student loans for 10 years, faithfully paying. And he owed $3,000 more than he left school with. Interest only. Yep. It was income sensitive as, you know, he built his business. And he just threw it down and said, I've had it. I owe more now than 10 years ago. And again, that's what young people don't understand coming out of school, how all of that works. And we just buckled down and we got serious. And again, we had been very, very blessed that 
you know, I'd been working my career for a while. His business was growing. And we just said, we've got to change this. We have to. So before you could create the business and talk to others, you had to do that yourself. Oh, this. And make sure that you were in alignment. Exactly. I mean, the business was not even, you know, a glimmer in my eye at that point. (laughs) It was just, we've got to do something because if anything happens, we're in trouble. And we also were growing in our faith at that time and started realizing that we're not doing a good job managing what God has given us. Mm. We're not setting ourselves up to help our children. We're not setting ourselves up to do well in retirement. We we have to do something differently. So we learn to become stewards. We're suddenly in our last two minutes. It goes by fast, doesn't it? It does. So um, uh, I I would assume that your your business is – when did you get get it run – Full, full speed. Just this past December. Wow. So you already have uh, contacts and you have people coming to you. I do. It's okay. we're, we're starting real small nice. and growing small. You know, I've got small children at home and doing things like that. But it's the beautiful thing was when we got to the point that we paid off the loans, we kept going. We went crazy. We got our house paid off. We, we did big things yeah. throughout this process. But what that gave us back, and, and again, money doesn't give you happiness. I'm not trying to say that. It doesn't. But it gives you options. Yeah. And it gave me the option to try something new, to go a different direction, to continue teaching, but to teach something that I'm also very, very passionate about in helping people find the freedom that, that we found. And you've kept God at the lead. <laughs> I'm absolutely trying to. I'm trying to remember that supremacy. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, uh, Lee Mitchell. You may not see yourself this way, but you are a rescuer. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Lee Mitchell, the owner of um, Ironwood Financial Wellness, helping people dream again. I really like that. So uh, God blessings to you, and thank you for being on the Rescuers Radio Show today. Thank you, Art. I appreciate Thanks. it. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.